Now, you mentioned in the book about circumnavigating the globe. Whoa, all right. <laughs> We're opening up, yep. That was my first dream. Okay. I wanted to see the world. I didn't know how. I didn't, you know, maybe biking, maybe whatever, something. I wanted to see the world. Then ultra running came, exploring my my realm and this, this discipline, all of that. And so I was like, why not just run the world? Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. What's happening in the world of uh, Gotta Run Racing? <laughs> well, we've got our We Run the North virtual off to... Fundy National Park in New Brunswick. Mm, it's a nice place. Yeah, I can't wait to visit one day. Yeah. And the Monarch? Monarch Relay. We're looking for runners in September, October to do 30 and 50K segments. And our virtual is ticking along quite nicely. We're hoping to have one participant from every state and province. Nice. And, and in Mexico as well, every Mexican state, which would be amazing. Yeah. So we need to get the word out. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. Cool. So who's on the podcast today? Really big show today. Oh. We have ultra runner Michele Gralia. Oh, Michele. See. <laughs> <laughs> he is a former top model and he's currently one of the world's top ultra runners. Hmm. Since 2011, he's competed in over 30 ultra marathons all over the world, often winning and setting course records. He set the Guinness World Records for his runs across the Atacama and Gobi Deserts. His wins in the Yukon Arctic Ultra with temperatures below minus 40 Fahrenheit and the Badwater 135 miler in Death Valley with highs above 130 Fahrenheit made him the first person in history to win both the hottest and coldest foot races on Earth. <laughs> His new book, titled Ultra, has just been released, and today we'll be chatting about the book as well as some of his epic adventures. Yeah, I can't wait to hear or talk to him about his race in the Yukon because that would be just way too cold for me. <laughs> Anything below 15 degrees Celsius is, uh, is dead on winter to me. So you you were wearing a toque yesterday. Yeah, Come on. I know. And it's, it was 15 degrees <laughs> Celsius. So, yeah, for him to run minus 40 on a miler, crazy. Yeah, crazy. Uh, can't wait to hear about that. Let's get to it. Coming up. Buongiorno, come stai? Molto bene, tu? Molto bene. So nice to speak with you. I wondered if you were nice a tennis course. fan. Um, Somewhat. Um, I used to I used to follow more when I was in Italy, but... Uh, uh, every now and then I watch the big tournaments. I actually have a good friend, Fabio Fognini. We're from the same town. We used to play as kids when we we're, you know, back in the in the home in, the, in our hometown. Wow. So it's fun to see that he's playing in, in a, the major league now. <laughs> well, Matteo Berrettini just uh, got his way into the final, and now our Canadian player is playing Djokovic. So it's a big day oh, in tennis. Wow. <laughs> awesome! I follow. I'm definitely gonna follow that. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for the update. <laughs> I just. How are you guys doing? We're Good. doing great. We're doing yeah. Great. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, <laughs> Michele. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Is it okay to call you Mickey? That sounds great. Much easier for everyone <laughs> to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We first heard of you back in 2017 when our friend Mike Anger ran the Run Iceland stage race with you. Oh, right. Yes. And he came home and he said, have you guys heard of this fellow? And we said, no, but we're going to follow him now. And <laughs> After that, I heard your interview with Billy Yang, where you were discussing the book, and yeah. but the book was only available in Italian. And since then, I've been bugging you ever six, six months. When's it coming out in English? <laughs> I remember that. Oh, thank you so much. I, you know, it's been a, it's definitely been a process to get to this point, be able to um, adapt the script, the manuscript to to English, and finally get it out. It definitely took. Um, a solid couple of years of work uh just you know it's just a 
a different it was it, it wasn't just a translation it was the adaptation of it sure um certain certain way of saying you know needed to be smooth you know kind of smoothed out to to english and all of that to make it more understandable but um i'm very happy and very proud that finally it's out and uh, so far we're receiving great feedback so i couldn't be more thankful that's awesome without giving too much away uh, we'll touch on a few elements of the book, as well as your running achievements since the book was written. And what's next? Uh, yes. So you were you were born in San Remo, Italy, which is on the western border near France, and you ran That's a right. little bit, little bit in school, but not so much. Yeah, and I I started a little bit of a track when I was 12, 13 years old, but that that was about it. That was about it. <laughs> And post-secondary, so after high school, you went into pre-law, but you didn't stick with that for too long. That's um, right. And you, you worked in your family business as a floral importer, which allowed you to travel Exporter. around the world. Exporter. Exporter. My apologies. Yeah, Exporter. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's so right. You were traveling a lot at that time, and you had a lot of responsibilities. Yeah. And when you came to the U.S. to expand the business, within the first week... In Miami, you were signed to a model modeling contract with one of the top agencies. <laughs> yep, yep. You you put it pretty pretty smoothly, pretty pretty nicely. Yeah, better than I could. <laughs> and, and and there's a lot of detail about that in the book, which is great because it sort of sets the tone as to what how you got to running. Yep. In a in a pretty short time, it's fair to say, as you do, you were completely immersed in the world of high fashion, and it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll right pretty much <laughs> pretty much okay so the first thing that popped into my mind when i was reading that section in the book was how did your parents how did your family react to your sudden change in direction when you you were in the states to work on the family business and then this amazing opportunity came up it sounds like they are a very supportive family but how did they react to that sudden switch yeah now you're not gonna now you're not gonna promote their business or, or, or grow their <laughs> right, business right, right. Maybe what's going on here <laughs> exactly guy yeah, dropping absolutely you you said it right i have a very you know i have a wonderful relationship with my parents which i'm extremely grateful for you know um and they always been very understanding of my choices uh, of course, it was a setback for the business, but you know I wasn't the only salesperson in the company. Of course, you know we we've been working on different markets from Japan, Korea, China, uh, all over Europe, South America, U.S., Canada, all of that. So I was a piece of the puzzle. Right. Uh, of course, you know I didn't just shut the door right away. Mm -hmm. I kind of eased out of it. Uh, the modeling opportunity, the modeling career came as a as a wonderful opportunity uh not only uh financial level but also on a personal level he opened up the opportunity for myself to follow a path that was my own which ultimately was what i was looking for all along <laughs> um you know i i've always been i gotta say very fortunate and grateful to be part of the company and be able to be working with the family and my parents but um i always found that that specific business was was just my father's legacy. Right. Um, I never felt, you know, I, I was very happy to work in it. I was very, uh, you know, it was a very exciting job, but um, I always had that sense of, I always felt that urge, the necessity to carve my own path and and kind of leave my own legacy. Right. And so I knew that that would have always, didn't matter how big I would have made it, it would have always been my father's legacy. And, and I've always been in a way proud of him, proud of being part of that because my family comes from very humble beginnings. My father came from nothing and he was able to create something. And so to me, that was already powerful. He, he, he was able to give something, bring something to this world and give opportunities to, to his family. And, and so to me, seeing that, he only inspired me to do bigger and broader things right? because uh, the mindset behind it is, okay, he came from nothing. He was able to create this much. What can I do already starting from a higher standpoint? Right. Coming to the States and, and expanding the business almost represented that opportunity to me. 
Mm-hmm. But then being scouted by a modeling agent and being catapulted, you know, thrown into this whole new world that at the very beginning, right at the right at day, kind of materialized the opportunity for me to create that path that I was looking for, even though it wasn't necessarily what I was dreaming. You know, it was never my dream, but hey. You know, that doesn't happen often, hey, right? You live I mean, once. Exactly. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take this wave and see where it takes me. And, and so I got to tell you for the following, you were talking about fall 2007 mm-hmm. for the following two, three, four years, it did represent, and it did indeed was something special right? until it wasn't. Right. Right. <laughs> and who knows, who knows if you would have found running had you not gone through the steps of that type of lifestyle because they couldn't be more different. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think that everything in life happens um, for a reason, perhaps, and, and or it just allow you to grow into what you need to be. Right. So I don't know that if I didn't go through that specific chapter in my life, I don't know if I would have been an ultra runner at all. Mm. Right. About, about I, this chapter of rock and roll and sex drugs rock when i read the book and the part just for the people who have not read your book yet the part where you're dancing on tables with, with p diddy and madonna comes up to you and and presses your abs as a don't, greeting don't tell too much i don't want to say too much but that just gives the idea of what lifestyle you're actually living here oh yeah yeah and no, i mean like i gotta tell you i again i come from a from a very safe and small environment. I grew up in this 5,000 souls little town in the inlet of Italy. You know, everybody's friends, every, and it was a clean environment. I get thrown into this, I come to Miami, I get thrown into this industry. You're swept off your feet by the social life and the socialites and the celebrities and everything that comes with it. Because, you know, at that point, I becoming a model, you represent something and people want you here, people want you there. Right. And so, you know, I started kind of, I was 24, 25 years old. And I'm like, I mean, this is like a movie. This is like a, <laughs> things you see in the movies. I'm like, okay, everything is, I'm going to the fanciest clubs, the fanciest restaurants. Everybody wants you here. Everybody wants you there. I got friends sending me Rolls Royce to pick me up, to go to the <laughs> top parties and stuff like that. And I'm like, hey, um, you feel like the king of the world for a minute. Mm. You feel like you got everything in hand and you're just living it up. Um, there is a downside to that. After a while, though, it becomes, I don't know, at least for me, it became soul sucking completely. Right. Like it was depleting my, my spirit. Uh, yeah, on a materialistical and physical level, it was pleasing uh, at all levels. <laughs> <laughs> if we want to get in details, but <laughs> it was pleasing at all levels. But uh, it came a point where I started to kind of get back into myself and reevaluate what I was doing with my life. And that was, that brought me to my breaking point. Right. I just realized that what I was doing, that what I was doing wasn't representing myself or at least like, I just didn't like who I was becoming in the process. That's when I realized that I needed to, to make a change. Right. And because my perception of that too was that wasn't your choice. So now you're figuring That's out exactly that right. yeah. <laughs> you're handed a golden ticket, but yeah, but that's not the ticket I was looking for. <laughs> no, not the ticket you were looking for. So yeah. if, if we fast forward to 2009, yeah. when you decided that this is it, I, I'm, I'm going to look for something else in life, something more meaningful. And you came across ultra marathon man by Dean yeah. Harnas, the book. That's right. And then a couple years later, your first step out the door is New Year's Day, right? That's right. <laughs> and you you got home- the dates right. <laughs> yeah, we, we tried to do our homework, <laughs> but we you read the book. Did, yeah. <laughs> we read the right, book. Right, right, right. You get home from that run and it, in typical, you're not an ultra runner yet, but in typical ultra runner fashion, what do you do? You sign up for a hundred miler. And when is the hundred miler? <laughs> In five months you see in five months yeah you, that's you had totally you had doable. the mind of an ultra <laughs> you did you have a mind exactly of an ultra. exactly <laughs> exactly it just spoke to me change is always difficult 
There's no denying it. But we all know just it's a necessary part to evolve and grow. I, I found myself in the most critical time of my life. Um, and as you said, you know, yeah, it was it was a golden ticket, but that lifestyle really brought me to to the bottom of the pit. And at that point, you know, it came a very critical night, a very critical situation where I had to literally pick myself up and needed needed to find something different. Mm-hmm. So when I read Dean's book, I mean, you know, it wasn't the first thing I read. You know, I I, I knew that. My calling was towards nature and, and exploration and adventure. So there was already a sense of direction, but I didn't know what it was. Right. So I was very much fascinated about all of these adventures, big mountain climbers and so on and, and all different directions. But none of them spoke to me. When I read Dean's book, it was like lightning, you know, the, the bubble lightning was lit up. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, okay. I don't know why, but I, I gotta, I gotta try this out. I gotta be part of this. I want to see what he's talking about. Cause of course, at the time here, we're talking about the end of 2010, of course, I knew about marathons. I knew about Ironmans. I knew about all of that stuff, but I never heard of ultra marathons. I never heard about this guys running two, three, four, five, six plus marathons in a row, nonstop. I mean, that obliterated all the concept, the limit, the limitations and the boundaries that that we set for ourselves, at least in the past. Right. And so to me, it was so fascinating, so inspiring that I'm like, okay, I'm not a runner, but I, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. <laughs> He's talking about the fact that ultra running is beyond running. So if I'm not a runner, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense, right? Um, so I, I did sign up indeed for the 100 miler. And in just the four, five, five short months, I got it out because I started ramping up my mileage recklessly. I started running, you know, 100, 120, 140 miles a week just before the race. And, you know, I got, I got, I told the line already tired pretty much, but I, I was ready. I was ready physically, at least in a way. I didn't know though what I was getting myself into. And if you want me to fast forward 84 miles into the race, I passed out cold. Uh, my my family, cried. you know, I woke up in an in, in an in an ambulance. Uh, my dad was trying trying to take my my tongue out of my throat because oh. I was choking. Jeez. And my mom, my sister, my now wife were out there crying, begging me to stop. And that's where it all started. So now <laughs> we're here. <laughs> so what was the takeaway of that experience for you? Uh, well, um, the takeaway was that. I was absolutely oblivious of what this undertaking needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't want to say that I underestimated the challenge because, of course, I knew it was a huge challenge, but I underestimated all the components that went into it. Right. Ultra running is not about running. It's not just about running. Yeah, you're running. That's a means. That's just like your physical part of it. Um, what I needed to understand was, of course, the mental fortitude that take comes with it, but even more than that, the physiological part. So the nutrition, the hydration, basically the supplementation throughout the run to be able to sustain the distance and go long. Right. And from that point on, the kind of, despite that massive initial failure, because I got to tell you that hit, that hit me pretty hard. I mean, I, I literally ran myself into the ground until I could run no more. It took me months and months to walk straight again. Wow. I literally destroyed my body. And, uh, but you know, I, for whatever reason, I'm like, I'm on the right road. I, I'm on the right path. I, I was like, mm-hmm. this is what I got to do. All I need to do is understand what I did wrong and mm-hmm. learn from my mistake. I was on a path of self-discovery right there just trying to learn the art, learn the craft and expand my knowledge on nutrition, hydration, the physiological part of the sport. And I got to tell you, through a process of trial and error, after a few years, I was able to make that dream into vision into reality. Dean inspired me to drop my career and hopefully turn an ultra running into my own life. Right. And I'm so proud of myself. I got to say <laughs> 10 years later that I believed in myself that much that now I can say it is my life and it's a wonderful gift. 
Did you ever have the uh, desire to make it a career or was it always about the exploration and how you could train your body to do these types of events? Did it ever come into play that, well, maybe I can make a career out of it too? Because as we all know, there's not a lot of not a lot There's of not money. A lot of money. Yeah, definitely. It's not, the contracts are not the ones in the NBA, that's for sure. Um. Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing so far, give us a like and follow our social media. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can find all that at gotterunracing.com. Did you know the monarch butterfly is the ultra runner of the insect world? Covering over 4,000 kilometers every year during their migration from Mexico to Canada. Is that what they mean when they say the butterfly effect? That was a weird movie. We've launched the Monarch Ultra Virtual 10K. You can run, walk, hike, bike, or flap your wings virtually anytime, any place. You'll receive a beautiful two-sided medal featuring a stunning Monarch, as well as a custom neck gaiter, all while supporting Camp Kawartha in Peterborough. Our goal is to have 430 participants across North America, each completing 10K, representing the collective distance of the Monarch's migration. Sprint to GottaRunRacing.com for more details. Now, back to the show. Well, I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Of course, you know, you can be an ultra runner uh, and you can have your, I've had a job, I have had a, other side jobs for, for many years up until, you know, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But the desire to follow Dean's path and become a successful ultra runner and make it my career is because once you do that, you can explore, you can explore it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. You're not on borrowed time from other things you have to do up until a few years ago i was working in a um, i'm also a yoga instructor and mindfulness mindfulness coach Um, i worked in this high-end retreat in malibu and it was taking about 60 hours of my time every week wow once you work 60 hours a week training 20 25 30 hours on top of that it's not easy an easy part of it so it doesn't make it, you know, it doesn't make it possible to pursue at the highest level because, yeah, you're training, but you're not resting. Yeah, you're doing it, but you're not doing it right. <laughs> so right now I am on the path that I can say, this is what I do. Right. And I can explore myself. I can explore my boundaries as wide and as further as I possibly can. So it is a blessing, but it definitely took a lot of work. Sure. I got to tell you, many <laughs> years of hard work and dedication and commitment and belief, because of course, being a lot of failures, a lot of setbacks along the way, it's never been a smooth ride. But again, it's all part of the journey. Right. Did you ever get a chance to tell Dean that he he was your inspiration? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Many, many times. I even just mailed him a copy just last week with a very nice note and I have the opportunity to meet the guy a few years ago and connect. And, you know, we've been somewhat in touch throughout the years. And to the day, he's, he's still my greatest inspiration. Has it hit you yet that you're now going to be inspiring a new generation of ultra runners? Because it's inevitable. <laughs> it's going to happen. You know, that's what I think the biggest uh, blessing it lies into. You know, the, I'm beyond grateful to be able to share my stories, get the book out. because. I just realized what, like, how powerful inspiration can be. Back in, back ten years ago, um, the power of inspiration not only changed my life, but it actually saved it. And so now, being in this position, I find it to be an absolute privilege. Absolutely. Well, Dean still talks about the fact that people are just discovering his book, yeah. and and he gets messages all the time, and people yeah. come up to him at races, and he still yeah. can't quite believe that it's. He's yeah. responsible for, for their journeys, which is amazing. Well, I, I, it's amazing. You know, I think that it, it, it inspires more than, than any, at least to me, it inspires more than any fast run, fast runners, top record runners, whatever, just because it's the direction and the thought, the perspective that he shared in that book. Mm-hmm. It's not just a runner running fast. It's a dissatisfied person having achieved material success and finding out that that's not the way. 
Right. And that's why I related to the guy. You know, like we came from different different paths, different careers, but we came to the same conclusion. <laughs> and I think that in a way or another, all of us, and I'm speaking to all of us, can relate to that in a way or another. Sure. And sure. just because that's a societal trend, that's how we're raised. That's what society tells us to do. You know, you have to get these things, you have to get your degrees, you get to follow a career, you have to make money because this is the status quo. You have to do this, you have to do that. But when you have it, you're like, I'm as I'm miserable. This is not giving me any pleasure. This is yeah. not the key. I mean, don't get me wrong. Money is necessity. That would be naive to say otherwise. And having nice things make life pleasurable. But it's not the answer to a worthwhile, to a life that is worth living. Exactly. And that's that's something that can transcend the limitate the physical limitations and open up the, the horizons to everyone to want to explore the boundaries and live a, a full life that wants to live, to fully live. <laughs> and so this is why I think his book is so powerful. That's why I think it, it, it's so inspiring. This is what I wanted to do in my book. I didn't want to tell you how fast I ran this race or how well I did here, how well I did there. Of course, the stories are through running because that's my means. Mm -hmm. But the concepts that I share in the book are more like, allow me to say life lessons. What I, what I like what you said about ultra running specifically is that it's a sport for everybody where the women can beat the men, the old can beat the young. And no yeah. matter of the time, everyone has the same experience because you did the same course. So that's, That's exactly right. Sun can be a little faster, sun can be slower, but we all went through the same thing and experienced the same thing. So that's why I think he creates so much camaraderie too. Mm -hmm. You know, we all know, we all know what we endured and we, I don't want to say sympathize, but we support each other through that. And that's beautiful. It that's is. beautiful because it destroys the, the concept of competition and the concepts of cutthroat competitiveness that you can find other, in other sports or in most sports. So he makes it, he makes it a shared party. Of course, you know, you have the faster people, you have some other, some people that go a little slower, but we all went I, through the same. You could always talk about, do you remember this section of the course? Yes, I do. So, oh yeah. So you can talk about the same oh, thing. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Yep. And we can all relate to, to the hardship of it. That's right. And now we made it through. And that, I think that fire is something that, stays with you beyond that finish line and something that stays and you can you know it's so powerful that you can you know, it's something so amazing that you cannot buy anywhere and nobody can ever take it away from you right okay. right can you talk about your mindset with training uh in terms of training for a race or training for let's say a desert crossing you do end up having a number in mind whereas the other one perhaps it's more about the journey like, how do you sep right. separate that in terms of? So what I learned, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't separate them. Okay. My, my, my mindset going into any of these endeavors is always about giving my best, giving my all. So I, when I, when I train, I, to be honest with you, when I sign up for a race, when I go into a race, I never check the entrance. I don't know who's there. I don't care. I don't want to, I don't want to care who's there. Right. Because I've done that mistake in the past of thinking about competition, of getting in my head about expectations and mm. wanting to place or here, wanting to break this, wanting to get that time. You know, all of these are just noise. Yeah. All of this just becomes noise in my head. So, you know, here I bring in a little bit of mindfulness. So I kind of just try to stay back from, the expectations because those are driven by the mind. And I try to come from a, from a pure place that comes from the heart. And so I don't, I don't stress myself. I don't expect anything. I just told the line knowing that I did the homework I needed to do. And I'm just prepared to leave the experience for what it is leaving it in the moment. So it's all about presence and trying to give my best every single step of the way, because ultimately if I do that, the sum of each single step will bring me to the finish line. <laughs> and if my best that day comes out to be the best, then I come in first. And if it didn't, then it didn't matter. But I knew that I gave myself and there's nothing I can complain about that. Right. You've achieved some pretty amazing goals 
in races in extreme heat and extreme cold. Yes. How were you able to thrive in those environments? Because uh, I assume at the time you were living in California, so you could visit, you could visit Death Valley to get the right. the heat training. The heat, yeah. But there's nothing quite like the Yukon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can agree to that. Yes, there's nothing like the Yukon. When you hit sub 30, sub 40, oh boy. Now there's nothing you can replicate. I trained through the winter here. We have some big mountains, but nothing that goes below zero. Mm -hmm. I mean, below Fahrenheit zero. Right. Uh, so yeah, it gets freezing, but when you go into teens already, it's it's considered freezing cold out here. <laughs> well, in the Yukon, you know, you're dipping in sub 20, sub 30, sub 40 Fahrenheit. That's, that's the completely different kind of environment. I think that going into this, I approach that challenge the same way I do with all the other ones, accepting the fact that I'm going into the unknown mm -hmm. and accepting that I'm, there's going to be struggle, accepting that things are going to go wrong, accepting that I'm not in control. And just going with this mindset and perspective allows me to open up my mind and be present of what needs to be done and what I need to take care of in every single moment. So it's, it, it's almost like a circle. It creates presence and it allows you to live in a present moment because you have to be present. <laughs> Otherwise, if you make a mistake, you're going to die. Right. In that. Allowing yourself to disconnect completely from the outside world and connect within because you have to be in that mindful state mm -hmm. creates a sense of connection within mm. and without. <laughs> so it just creates a, a deep sense of connection within Mm -hmm. that to me expands without. So without, I mean, with everything around you. Being able to do that to me is the most profound experience that I found anywhere. And that's what keeps me going after these type of challenges. It's not just, a, not just about winning. It's not just about the, the challenge in itself, but it's about the transcendental experience that I get when I do this type of endeavors. And to me, you know, that's why I often, often speak of it as a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. You transcend your physical, you explore your mental, but you ultimately connect with your heart, spirit, soul, whatever we want to call it. And when you do that, and I think, you know, all of us sense that when we, when we run these distances, that's why I think ultra running, trail running is exploding exponentially is because there is a need to, uh, to reconnect yes. with ourselves and with the nature around us. And when we do, when uh, we allow ourselves to do that, we all experience it. We all experience it at, ex at the same level. We all bring home the same, the same result or the same gift. Right. And, uh, and that's why I think we become more, in a way, more present, more humble, more connected with ourselves, with the, with the people around us, and more respectful even of our environment. Because you just understand that we're not detached from it. We are part of it. Mm -hmm. And so you want to become, you want to respect it. You want to protect it. And, and instead of destroying it, like, like our world is doing right now, mm -hmm. the direction the world is going. Yeah. So I want to ask you about the Yukon then specific, because would you ever put yourself in that situation again? Because that was a serious, sort of in serious trouble there or the after effects of the Yukon race. I, I certainly was. Well, that was, I got to tell you, my very first experience in that type of environment. I have explored my, my boundaries a little more in the past few years. I definitely took a lot of knowledge from that experience that, and, and mistakes that I made that I wouldn't make again. Right. Um, it, it was definitely horrendous. <laughs> I mean, I finished with my my cornea was frozen, my throat, my, my trachea, my, my stomach was, was frostbitten inside. I couldn't eat for like, I couldn't eat properly for two or three months afterwards. Wow. I only could, like, I started eating like baby food and smoothies and stuff like that. Cause everything that went down my throat was, was just like, like just terrible, just painful. Um, it took me like a couple of months to start eating solid foods again, but in a way, is what I what I signed up for, and mm -hmm. I paid a price for my almost like the first race I did in the Keys for my 
ignorance in the matter. Right. I wish I had known more people that have done stuff like that, people that would have been able to kind of, I don't want to say teach me, but open up the door and tell me, okay, this is what you need to pay attention to. This is what you need to be careful about. Just to tell you how terrifying that race is, the following year, so 2017, the year after I ran it, um, an Italian guy, an Italian friend of mine, um, which I ran a few races with, in the past, he was inspired by my race. And so he signed up, he went up there, he had a lot of troubles. Mm. Uh, he was evacuated after being stranded for 17 hours in the ice. Jeez. Wow. He was evacuated with an airplane. And uh, two weeks later, they cut both his arms and both his legs off. Oh, my gosh. That's tragic. Same race. Same race. Wow. I mean, I, it's giving me I got goosebumps over my body right now. Uh, just thinking about it, Robert, Roberto Zanda, that's his name. Um, amazing, tough guy. They often ask me, what's the toughest, cold or heat? Yeah. You know, yeah, to run into definitely the heat is hard. But if you're looking at it from a danger, mm. how, what the challenge is, the cold is hands down the most, the most extreme because it's unforgiving. You know, mm. in the heat, you're tired, you're exhausted, you got a heat stroke, you just passed out, whatever, <laughs> you, you know, you, you just pass out, yeah. you know, you yourself up that water, you drink some water, you're back in your feet, no time, you're fine. Over there, something goes wrong, you're by yourself, you're self-supported, you have to be mindful of the fact that you have your life in your own hands. Mm -hmm. If something goes wrong, you're out, yeah. <laughs> literally. Not and, of the race, and the, the message, game of life. <laughs> and your body is sending the message slower that something's wrong. That's hypothermia is a is a big it's a is a nasty beast because it messes with your brain too. So it makes you lose uh, uh, the sensation, the the physical. Uh, I don't know how to say it. You know the 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 uh, everything that needs to that keeps you on your toes and it keeps you responsive. Yeah. that cuts it out and so you don't know you're you're freezing you don't know you're dying no until lights are out right you can feel hot but that in fact you are actually cold freezing yeah that's yeah. exactly right you know that what happened when they found him he had both his hand both his gloves like the gloves and and boots off oh my gosh because he was over he felt he was overheating because he felt he was overheating wow. oh my gosh while outside was 40, 40, 45 degrees below zero. Oh, Jeez. my gosh. Are you still yeah. planning on doing the other two desert crossings? Thanks for the question. That's a, <laughs> that's a great question. And that's a whole, exactly, finger crossed, yes. I got to tell you, um, it was a huge setback, setback, of course, last year for everybody. Yeah. Um, everything was closed, so we had to postpone those, you know, after the Atacama and the Gobi. I had in mind to do the Sahara and the Antarctica. Mm -hmm. um, the Sahara kind of um, fell because of political and religious situation in the right. center, uh, especially Niger, Chad, those mm -hmm. areas that were very heated up at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I had switched my, you know, my, my focus towards Antarctica. But of course, then of COVID hit, and now they're basically still shut off because Antarctica, I think, is the only continent that hasn't had a case. Hmm. And they want to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand it. <laughs> I sure. respect that. Sure. So this past year, it was, of course, a bit of a limbo for everybody. I was thankful that I was able to at least nail the Moab and get a run in. But this year, still things are uncertain. And so... I I decided to set up on a new to create a new challenge to set up a new journey. In October this year, I would like to go for the Transcon, running uh -huh. from San Francisco to to New York. Ah. So that's gonna be the next challenge. Hopefully, the 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 situation, the, everything going on in our world right now will allow it to right. happen, and I'm looking forward to that. Isn't, did Dean do that himself? Didn't Dean? Uh, Dean did somewhat something similar. He didn't necessarily follow the 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 record route, uh, which is the one that Janino set in the eighties. Uh, Pete Kostanek, he broke mm -hmm. the record in twenty sixteen. 
I know uh, for a fact, because I spoke to him on his podcast just a few weeks ago, Zach Bader is going for the record in September. Mm. Ah. So I'm going to be trailing him in October. And I'm excited to, you know, to be honest with you, the, the of course, the record is in mind because I like to, it allows me to kind of push myself, but I'm getting out on the road to live the experience and see what I can do, how far I can go, how fast I can go across this beautiful country of ours. Now, you mentioned in the book about circumnavigating the globe. Whoa, all right. <laughs> we're opening up, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's always been, you remember before when we were talking about having that crisis, having, having, having had that, um, you know, hitting the bottom, mm-hmm. I started dipping my nose in exploration and adventure. That was my first dream. I wanted to see the world. I didn't know how I didn't, you know, maybe biking, maybe whatever, something. I wanted to see the world. Then ultra running came, exploring my my realm and this this discipline, all of that. And so I was like, why not just run the world? (laughs) (laughs) It makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) That would be, I would say, my my biggest dream, my ultimate dream, my ultimate um my magnus opus, right? The biggest, <laughs> my <laughs> biggest thing out there. And uh, I don't know when, I don't know how, but I certainly know that at some point in my life, that will be uh, the biggest undertaking. Uh, just get out there and, and explore what we have in this, on this planet, connect with the population. You know, I've had the great fortune throughout these past few years to travel in the most remote areas of the world and connect with the populations there and just breaking down those those cultural and religious limitations truly allow me to see that we're all ultimately we're all the same and i think that would be the biggest message that i would like to bring along right just share the fact that we are we're on this planet and we are fighting for things that are made up and that make no sense to me, <laughs> in a sense. We, and I think that the biggest message of our generation is, is to transcend those limitations, to allow ourselves to, to live more connected, to meet, to live at peace, and to live in a better world, ultimately. Hey, guys. If you like what you're hearing so far, give us a like and follow our social media. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can find all that at gotterunracing.com. Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We Run the North, celebrating Canada's national parks, features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Well, there's Algonquin, and then there's Banff, and then that's it? Anyways, medals that connect, license plate-style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit GottaRunRacing.com for more details. Now, back to the show. Right. Where, where does your mind go when you go on these long runs, especially across the desert? What, what, is, what do you think about and where do your thoughts go? I think, again, when I go into these things, I, I practice meditation. Mm. I practice mindfulness. I practice presence. I try not to get involved in too many thoughts. I, I, I get carried, you know, we all get carried away by outside influences, by thoughts that come in our minds, and those pollute our environment, our, our mental psyche, our stability, our, our strength even, because all those thoughts, they always just like cannonballs to your to yourself and to your balance. And so to me, doing these things, it's about disconnection, disconnection from the outside world and connection within. So I don't think about how far I have to go. I don't think of how hard it's been to get to this point, but I just try to live fully in the present and enjoying what I'm doing for what it is. I'm out there pushing myself and, and seeing the beautiful nature. That's, that's as simple as that. I know you've done a lot of reading. Was there any books that really um, helped you to learn how to do that? For example, I'm the type of runner who is thinking about when do I get to stop? When's the next hill? And I, I'm struggling with that. I really want to be able to turn that off. Right. Have you come across a book that just kind of put it into perspective for you of how to be able to turn it off? Well, there are many that I could share with you, but if there's one that I could think of and probably the most powerful one on top of my head will be The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. um, you know, bestseller book. So a lot of people definitely know it. 
But I can tell you, he's sharing something that comes from, I, I started yoga in India. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you a lot of these very profound reads that come from the Vedic culture that explore this concept of presence, mindfulness. That's what yoga is about. Yoga mm-hmm. is about unity of the body, the mind, and the soul. Right. And, and so this can, these are teachings that can be applied to anything in life. Uh, it can be applied to uh, running or to running, it can be applied to relationship, it can apply to careers, businesses, ourselves, anything. Personal, it's about, to me, it's about personal growth because you're understanding the connection that there is within the, you know, cultivating the physical, exploring the mental, but understanding that oftentimes in, our, in the American culture, we talk about the mind, the power of the mind, mm-hmm. the mind, the mind, the mindset, this is mind. The, the mind is just a tool. The true strength lies in the in the heart, the spirit, the soul, what we truly are. Right. Because we often we often contemplate swallowed and we get caught, caught in up. our thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, caught up in our thoughts. But we need to understand that we're not our thoughts. Thoughts are just like clouds in the sky. They just pass through. Mm-hmm. They can cover the sky, but you need to rise above the noise, above the clouds to truly see the sun shining. And that's your true voice. Right. So, you know, when, you, when you're running and you think, and that's why I think to reconnect to what you just said at the beginning of your question, why is it so powerful in ultra running? the power of mindfulness and meditation, it's because you don't anticipate anything and you don't expect anything. You know, you don't think about how hard it's been to this point. You don't think Mm -hmm. how hard it's going to be to be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 miles uh, from here. Yeah. Because you're already feeling like shit right now. How am I going (laughs) to feel in 50 miles from now? No, that's that's already a detrimental thought. You're already getting caught up in what if, what's going to be. Mm -hmm. What's going to be is outside of your your control. All you can control is the now. And that's why the power of now. All you (laughs) have is here and now. My mantra going in all these races, in all these adventures is always right here right now ah, that's it there's a good song in the 90s so do the best jesus jones <laughs> yeah that's right that's right <laughs> if you can uh if you can live in a moment control what you need to do in this moment because you it's almost like being present and knowing okay now i need to replenish this now i need to being disconnected from the the, the outside means not getting influenced by the thoughts not being influenced by other people now getting influenced by the thoughts and of expectation and all of that will allow you to stay present and do what you need to do. So I'm, right. I know right now I need to drink. I know I need to eat. I need to take electrolytes. I need to slow down. I can't pick up. I need to, you know, it allows you almost like to self-check constantly and take care of it right away. So right. that 20, 30, 40, 50 miles from now, you can still do the same and keep moving forward. Right, right. It, it sounds like you're more into the journey and adventure rather than racing. Like, I, I'm going to go do hard rock. I'm going to do UTMB. <clears throat> it's more like, what can it? What can the journey be like be there? Or what can the adventure be? Is that right? That's absolutely right. I consider myself an adventurer more than a, than a runner. <laughs> I consider myself an explorer more than an ultra runner. That, that's I, I, I am yeah. very much, what's that? That's what I keep telling when people ask me. I said, I'm an explorer. I'm an adventurer. Yeah, that's what I yeah. say. That's, and I think that's a most, uh, that's a most appropriate term to, to what we do, at least to what, I, uh, what I'm aiming to do. Mm. Uh, just because, yeah, racing are a great tool, but they're not the ultimate goal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are an opportunity, but it's not a driving force behind what I do. And that's why I think starting to do this self-made adventure, uh, desert crossings, ca- cross country, all of these things, they actually fed my soul a lot more. <laughs> you know, it wasn't about competition. I was out there by myself. It didn't matter. Nothing mattered. It was about exploring my realm and redefining what's possible that's what fascinates me Mm. i grew up in a very classical environment i grew up in italy studying the greek mythology of course you know knowing that Pheidippides, that poor greek guy (laughs) that ran from here to there he died and the coubertin i mean you read all these things in the book where we say okay this is what the limit was set but this is just a limit that was set (laughs) it wasn't the ultimate limit 
If they told you, okay, the marathon is the ultimate limit beyond which the body, the human body cannot go, for the longest time, we all believed it. Mm -hmm. Just like in the past, we believed so many other stories that <laughs> defined our, our our space, right? Yep. And throughout the years, throughout the centuries, throughout the time, we were able to re redefine those limits because someone had the courage to go beyond them. And exactly. just like that, that's what ultra running represented to me. It represented the opportunity to redefine what's possible and not only see, I mean, what, what was actually, what was more fascinating is the fact that I could be in the position to see for myself how far I can actually go. Right. So that's the exploration. I'm not exploring a new country. We're in a time where all lands have been explored, all mountains have been climbed, all oceans have been seen, all islands have been found. I think that the true human, the true, the, the next true exploration is the exploration of ourselves, mm -hmm. of our limitations, not just physical, but even all, sorry, all of that is, is truly, uh, is what fires me up inside. It's what gives me butterflies in the morning, get up and push my limits a little further. And that concept, that direction itself is absolutely purposeful and fulfilling at the highest level, in my opinion. Right. So Badwater is coming up. How are you, uh, how are you feeling going into Badwater, which is what next week, I think? Um, just over, well, today is uh, Friday. So next, it's next Monday, the 19th. So just less of, just about 10 days. So how are you feeling going in? Um, I'm feeling good. <laughs> good. Good. I'm good. feeling good. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. If you like, we can connect after the race. So we can talk more about it. There we go. <laughs> Well, we have a couple more questions from our listeners. All right, sure. Uh, Mike actually wanted to know, what did you like about the stage race? Because you've done the run Iceland a couple of times, and would you do more of those? I guess in essentially your your desert crossings are in a way a bit of a stage. But what did you like about that? The camaraderie more than anything. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that it's not just, let's say we're running a 100 miler. Yeah, we see each other to start. And that's pretty much it. Unless oh, yeah. you're running at the same pace with somebody, you know, you only see a few people, but we all involved in the, in the run. We all just involved in that. And it's less, I don't know, it's a beautiful, but the, the stage race allow you to actually hang out after the race. You, you know, I, I've done uh, some other ones where you were camping in the desert, where we're just spending the night under the stars by the fire, eating together, spending the whole week with a group of strangers that by the end of that week become your best friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I like that. Of course, you know, the, the, the racing itself is, is awesome because you get to race, you get to rest, recharge, run again, all of that. And it, it's, you know, over so many days, mm -hmm. it creates also like, um, I don't know, it's excitement because every day it's like, there's a certain cycle that goes at a biological, physiological level. There are like days that you feel great. The next day you feel like crap. And the next day you feel awesome. <laughs> so even just exploring that high and lows on a, not just on a short period of time, but over a week or more, like I did in the, in the desert crossing, it just enhances the experience at all levels. Right. Yeah. What do you like to do in your downtime? Non-athletic, not yoga, not running. What would you what would you do with your wife on a Sunday afternoon? You had some free time. Well, um, in this past year, we have we've been remodeling our home up here in Big Bear, so <laughs> that definitely took a bit of <laughs> took a, a bit a bit of time. Uh, it also created a great connection between the two of us. Uh, we got an extra dog, and so we'd go on hikes. We're you know we're very active. I love to read. I, to be honest with you, this past year, there hasn't been much downtime at all. No. So I cannot really relate to the question. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been, I usually am I'm a person that loves to read. Like I usually have about four or five books on my nightstand that I go through in, you know, in a relatively fast manner. But this past year, I haven't been able to finish one book. <laughs> <laughs> that says everything. And that's me being totally honest. Started three or four. I haven't been able to finish one. Wow. Just, we got the house. I'm focused on training. I launched my book. All these little things take take a lot of time. And when the, you know, eight, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night comes, I'm like lights out. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much imagination around that, you know? <laughs> 
Well, we definitely encourage all of our listeners to pick up a book. They can get an audible copy, uh, Amazon, I guess, or via your website, michaelegralia.com, which we'll put yes. in our video. And uh, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Uh, Norm reminded me, we've only been podcasting for uh, about seven months now. And in our first podcast, we just chatted with each other about what our goals were. And, and my when he asked me who would be your number one person to speak with, it was you. So in a short period of time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It this was is you. wonderful. <laughs> so that is, that is so amazing. Thank you so much. Well, it's been a, it's been a great pleasure to talk with you guys and thank you so much. Well, we want to end with a couple rapid fire questions. Okay. If you don't mind. All right, here we go. Do you lose your toenails when you run? I have a few times. But, but not too bad. Like if I show you my feet right now, you wouldn't believe I'm a runner. Really? <laughs> actually in pretty good shape. Uh, it might happen. Like I lost a couple of nails when I did Moab. Um, and I had in the past, but just realize all you got to do is go half a size to a size bigger in your shoes <laughs> and you're golden. There you go. What's your yeah. favorite type of music? Oh boy. I mean, I, I spent, if I, if I make, if I have you listen to my Spotify or my iPod, I mean, you wouldn't believe it. I spent from Pavarotti to Little Wayne to Steve Aoki to hardcore dance. I, I have a bit of everything. So I nice. pop cheesy pop. I have Katy Perry. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit on everything. Um, I like, I like good tunes. I got good rhythms. I love eighties rock. Um, I love a bit of everything that is good music. Okay. So it's, it's not necessarily a genre. Uh, right. I like the beat. I like the rhythm. So that's, that's what I go for. Do you listen when you run? At times. Um, okay. if I run in trails, most likely I don't. Right. I right. love to listen. I love the sound of nature out there. I love to listen, <laughs> you know, to listen to the heart, to the breath. I love the sound of the steps, breaking the rocks, the grass, you know, whatever the, 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 the wood. Um, if I'm running on roads, most likely I do. Yeah. Favorite international city? Ooh. Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, I'm probably going to go with Paris. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good answer. Are you yeah. superstitious? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Not if at all. Could, yeah. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Wow, these are good questions. I like them. I was not expecting it. Um, you know, that's a, that's a very good question. I, I mean, as I said before, I was very much fascinated with the Greek mythology. So I would say about 2,500 years ago. <laughs> yeah, run with, uh, what's his name? Philippides, that's right. You two run together, yeah. Exactly. That'd be a good one. Okay, last question. This one's more of a funny one. What language do you curse in? <laughs> oh, well, I, you know, I've been living in the country for about 14 years now, just over that. Um, I think that at, at the beginning, I was dreaming and cursing in, in, in Italian, but now it's, now it's automatic in English because my <laughs> wife is English. I mean, my wife is American. All my friends are American. So I, I speak only a few minutes a day with my parents. So my Italian is kind of, dying out i'm like it's funny because sometimes i completely forget certain words and i'm like how is it possible <laughs> but i guess english is becoming slowly my 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 main, my main language now so when yeah. you stub your toe on the trail it's it's oh there's a there's a big f-bomb there <laughs> awesome Good. well thank you so much guys it's been a great pleasure thank we, you so much we really appreciate it Guys, it's been an awesome conversation. Great interview. And good luck at I really appreciate yeah, your test backwater. We'll be following. Thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll connect afterwards. Sounds good. Take care. All right. Enjoy Bye. your day. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Right. We got Mickey on. That was one of our uh, first guests that we were hoping to get on on our first podcast. That's right. And uh, he did not disappoint. No. What a nice guy. Yes. He achieved a lot of things in running, and he's not done yet. Yeah, from his book. First of all, I want to tell you about his book. 
personally is that I'm not a reader. You know, <laughs> I'm not a reader. If you say, read this, it's like, I'm not going to read it. Just give me the Coles notes or let me listen to it. But what I liked about Ultra specifically was two things. One, I liked there was a quote in the beginning of each chapter. Mm -hmm. I like quotes. And two, the chapters were direct and to the point, which is what I liked. I felt like, oh, I read 20 chapters today, yeah. <laughs> which is great. You read it in two days. No, I think I read it in one day. I don't know. But it was, yeah, it was a quick. Yeah, it was. I highly recommend it. And uh, yeah. Very inspirational. It. I, I think I went out for a run every time I put the book down mm. because I just wanted to experience what he was talking about. And I'm definitely going to read The Power of Now because I do struggle with my mindfulness during a run. Mm. So once you've read Ultra, let us know what you thought. Cheers. Ooh, that was quite the marathon. Thanks for listening to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Please visit us at gotterunracing.com for more information on our events or simply drop us an email at gotterunracing at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel to stream the video version of this episode. Oh, and if you like my voice, check me out at tylerherchuk.ca. T-Y-L-E-R-H-Y-R-C-H-U-K. Gotta run!